From ABC News World Headquarters in New York, this is World News Tonight. Good evening, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on this Sunday. I'm Lindsay Davis. One day after Donald Trump trounced Nikki Haley in her home state, the former South Carolina governor is pledging to stay in the race at least through Super Tuesday. While the Republican winner in South Carolina has historically gone on to become the party's nominee in all but one primary since 1980, Haley remains defiant, telling supporters it's not the end of our story. But there is growing pressure for her to step aside. In former President Trump's victory speech, he said he'd never seen the Republican Party so unified and did not mention Haley by name. Trump now appears set to lock in enough delegates for the Republican nomination, and his looming legal woes did not deter South Carolina Republican primary voters. In fact, 61% of the Republicans surveyed said they would consider Trump fit to be president even if he was convicted of a crime. So why is Haley still hanging on? ABC's Alex Perche leads us off tonight from the campaign trail. Tonight, Donald Trump barreling into Tuesday's Michigan primary, fresh off a 20-point victory in South Carolina. Now there's a spirit that I have never seen. He's now the first non-incumbent Republican presidential candidate to sweep Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. I have never seen the Republican Party so unified as it is right now. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. Nikki Haley vowing to continue on at least until Super Tuesday. A defeat in the state she once governed is a blow. She lost by a wider margin than in New Hampshire. Her path forward's narrowing and she's facing increasing pressure to drop out. The Republican Party chair here saying we need to unite our party and put Donald Trump back in the White House. In 10 days, 20 plus states and territories are going to vote. Let them vote. America doesn't do coronations. And the Trump campaign is motoring into Michigan, burning through cash. Year-end disclosures showing his political fundraising committees spent more than $50 million on legal fees related to the former president in 2023. Exit polling from South Carolina showing more than 60% of Republicans surveyed would see him fit to be president, even if he were convicted of a crime. Trump campaigning over the weekend, saying these investigations have gained him support in the black community. We've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. Those comments drawing swift backlash over the weekend from Haley and many others. Alex Brashe joins us now from Charleston, South Carolina. Alex, many are asking why Haley is remaining in this race when the cards are clearly stacked against her. Well, Lindsay, one of the big reasons is her campaign still has a lot of funds. She's got big ad buys through Super Tuesday. Now, Nikki Haley was able to pick up three delegates here in South Carolina, but the fact remains her path to a nomination is increasingly narrow. And looking ahead to the Michigan primary, she's down 60 points in the polls there. Lindsay. Alex Prochet for us. Thanks so much, Alex. We turn now to a topic that is once again front and center on the campaign trail, reproductive rights. President Biden is weighing possible responses to the Alabama Supreme Court's recent IVF ruling that declared frozen embryos are people. ABC's White House correspondent Mary Alice Parks is here now. Mary Alice, officials say the president is limited here in what he can do. 
Yeah, that's right, Lindsay. Look, on a policy perspective, I think the White House is looking at what they can do on the edges. The staff here tells us that they are looking at potential executive actions, but fundamentally they insist that Congress would need to pass a bill to put a nationwide right to reproductive care back on the books. But look, it's hard to imagine any new law like that getting passed right now. Despite public support, two years ago we saw 195 Republicans vote against a bill to protect access to birth control. And right now today, there's 125 Republicans, including Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, who are signed on to a bill called the Life at Conception Act. That would protect life at all stages, including the moment of fertilization. So it really comes down to a political debate. And Democrats are putting this case in Alabama front and center in their campaign messaging, pointing to the fact that former President Donald Trump pushed to get anti-abortion justices on the Supreme Court and on federal benches. Lindsay. All right, Mary Alice from the White House. Thanks so much, Mary Alice. Overseas now, Ukraine's President Zelensky is vowing victory against Russia, even as Russian forces are gaining ground on the battlefield. And Russia intensifies its attacks. Overnight, missiles and drones hit targets throughout the country. These images are from eastern Ukraine. Zelensky is making an appeal to the West once again for more military aid. And what do you have to say specifically about the U.S.? ABC's James Longman from Ukraine. Tonight, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine now enters its third year, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and his top security officials holding a major press conference in Kyiv to mark the anniversary, vowing to win the war and disclosing Ukrainian casualty figures for the first time. They claim 31,000 Ukrainian troops have been killed since the war began. That's far lower than recent U.S. estimates of around 70,000. Zelensky also saying Ukraine, which is running low on weapons and ammunition, needs military aid from the U.S. within a month. That aid currently held up in Congress. After the event, I pressed Zelensky on whether that aid will arrive. Mr. President, can I ask you about aid from the U.S. Congress? Are you worried about not getting it? I think that the guys will will decide, will make, will make good decisions. For us, very important. A little bit, a little bit hurry up for them. Yes. Have you lost faith in the U.S.? No, 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 no. They're great people, and I'm very. I count on your people. They will push everybody. So, putting on a brave face, but the war here is not going well. He still thinks, though, that aid will get through Congress. It comes as Russia makes some of its most significant battlefield gains in months. Officials toured the strategic city of Advika in eastern Ukraine. Captured by Russian forces last week, they're now pushing to secure nearby towns. White House officials tell ABC's Martha Raddatz it's vital for Congress to approve that aid package. This is not about a shortage of will, Martha. This is about a shortage of bullets. And if we can fill that shortage of bullets, Ukraine will stand up brave and courageous and take the fight to the Russians. Over the last two years, Ukraine has not wanted to comment on casualty figures, preferring instead to project strength. That President Zelensky did so today is a sign, perhaps, of just how serious the situation here is. Lindsay? Perhaps he thinks that'll get more aid, James. Thank you. And we turn now to a tragedy in rural Kentucky. An 18-year-old Campbellsville University student is dead. A 21-year-old student is now under arrest. It's the third case of fatal violence on campus in just the past two weeks. Here's ABC's Morgan Norwood. Tonight, friends and family struggling to understand why 18-year-old Kentucky college student Josiah Kilman was murdered, allegedly by his schoolmate. It's indescribably suffocating. You know, and for this to happen to him, of all people. 
Police arresting 21-year-old Charles Escalera Saturday. Escalera now facing murder and burglary charges. Police called to a Campbellsville University dorm room early Saturday where Kilman was found unresponsive. Kilman taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Kilman's longtime soccer coach remembering him as a role model. He was such an exceptional human being that shined a really bright light. Authorities identifying Escalera as the suspect, releasing these surveillance images of him. The campus placed on lockdown. By evening, police taking Escalera into custody after getting a tip from a local farmer. He had located a male in his, in his barn while he was feeding. Kilman's death is the latest deadly incident involving college students across the country within the past two weeks. Nicholas Jordan facing murder and other charges in the shooting deaths of his roommate Samuel Knopp and Knopp's friend Celie Rain Montgomery at the University of Colorado. And Jose Ibarra going before Judge Saturday, charged in the killing of Augusta University nursing student Lakin Riley on the University of Georgia campus. In a statement, federal officials say Ibarra is a citizen of Venezuela and was arrested in 2022 after unlawfully entering the U.S. And Lindsay asked for the Campbellsville murder, that suspect being held on a $2 million bond. Police have not said how Josiah Kilman died, but that community is grieving. There's a hope and healing service being held on the university's campus tonight. Lindsay? Our hearts certainly go out to them. Morgan, thank you. Vigils are being held to remember a 16-year-old Oklahoma student who died one day after being attacked in a high school bathroom. Next, Benedict identified as non-binary and was repeatedly bullied. Authorities are investigating the circumstances of the death, but officials have said it was not as a result of the attack. More now from ABC's Jacqueline Lee. Tonight, vigils across the country to honor the non-binary teenager who died one day after getting into a fight with several students in Oklahoma. Sadness and anger are my main two emotions right now. It's, this should not happen. All children deserve to be loved and accepted and celebrated for who they are. Newly released surveillance video shows next Benedict walking into a bathroom at Owasso High School. A faculty member soon follows and the fight is broken up. The school says it lasted less than two minutes. Okay, so so they just up and decided to just start messing with you. There was there yeah, was yeah because of the way that we dress. Police body camera shows Benedict lying in a hospital gurney hours later. The 16-year-old telling an officer that a group of girls were making fun of them. Benedict admits to then pouring water on them, and things escalated. They came at me. They grabbed onto my hair. I grabbed onto them. Uh, I threw one of them into a paper towel dispenser, and then they got my legs out from under me and got me on the ground, trying to. The district says administrators took statements from students and assessed their health. The school recommending one parent take their child to visit a medical facility. Parents also given the option to file police reports. She's not doing good at all. I need someone here now. In a chilling 911 call the next day, Benedict's mother demanding an ambulance. My daughter, I don't know what's going wrong. She's posturing and her hands are in. And she, she is 16. Okay. She fell at school or that she got beat up at school yesterday. I took her to the hospital last night. Owasso police saying in a statement that preliminary information from a complete autopsy performed by the medical examiner indicated that Benedict did not die as a result of trauma. 
Lindsay, the Benedict family says they're conducting their own independent investigation. Tonight at a local park in Owasso, there will be another vigil. And tomorrow at Benedict's High School, students plan on staging a peaceful walkout to take a stand against bullying. Lindsay. Jacqueline, thank you. We're learning more details about that deadly fire here in New York. One person died, 17 others injured. Firefighters used ropes to rescue some residents trapped on the upper floors. Officials say a lithium-ion battery caused the blaze. Details now from ABC's Rena Roy. Firefighters making daring rope rescues. A two-alarm blaze erupting in New York City's Harlem neighborhood Friday. Investigators revealing the cause this weekend, saying a lithium-ion battery is to blame. You can see people trapped on the top floor of this apartment building calling for help. There's a whole bunch of smoke everywhere. You can see all these people like waving out of the window, and they were trying to escape. Rescuers hoisting people out of windows and carefully descending to safety. We made our way up to the roof and showed them not to jump, that we're coming down to rescue them. The NYPD's aviation unit guiding the delicate rescue efforts from above. The firefighters had to make three rope rescues, which is something very unusual for us to do at one fire. 18 people hurt, five rushed to the hospital in critical condition. Tragically, Fazil Khan dying from his injuries. His employer posting, we are devastated by the loss of such a great colleague and wonderful person. And the FDNY is now warning that lithium-ion batteries are a leading cause of fires and fire-related deaths here in New York City. Lindsay. Rena, thank you. We'll get new home sales numbers from the government tomorrow. While it's nowhere near a buyer's market, there is some relief for families hoping to own their own home. Mortgage rates have dropped from their recent highs, and there are more homes to choose from. Sales of existing homes rose 3% in January, with the most sales in the South and West. Tonight calls for change after Duke's star seven-foot center Kyle Filipowski was injured after the Blue Devils' upset loss to Wake Forest. Filipowski was knocked down by a Wake Forest fan storming the court, injuring his knee in the collision that he says was intentional. The incident is renewing calls for on-court safety. Duke's coaches demanding action. Last month, Iowa star Caitlin Clark was knocked down when Ohio State fans stormed the court after beating Clark's Buckeyes. She was not hurt. And there's still much more ahead on World News tonight this Sunday, including a winter warm-up. We'll show you where records could fall this week. And why this could be the year a woman calls balls and strikes in the major leagues. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. It will feel like February, not really in much of the country as we start the work week. Records could fall with temperatures running 10 to 30 degrees above average from the plains to the east coast. Dallas could see 90 degrees on Monday. Chicago could get close to 70 on Tuesday. Temperatures could rise to the 60s and low 70s from D.C. to New York. As in previous campaigns, it's 
The economy's stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. To the index now, this could be the year a female umpire gets to call a major league baseball game during the regular season. Jen Powell, who played softball with the U.S. women's team, began working spring training games this weekend. The first woman to do so in 17 years. She's expected to start in the minors, but could be called up to the majors. Finally tonight, skating into history. This weekend, these athletes from Howard University became the first from a historically black university to participate in an intercollegiate skating competition. They wowed fans at the Blue Hen Ice Classic in Delaware, skaters blazing a trail on the ice and beyond. And that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Lindsay Davis here in New York. From all of us here, have a good night. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.